Well, how many of you have ever had, raise, raise your hand, how many of you have ever had a birthday? <laughs> ever had one? How many of you have stopped having them? Anybody? You're done? Okay, I'm going to, I hope, I hope you've had this experience. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess for most of us we have. There's that moment when it's your birthday and you see somebody coming your way and they've got, their friend, their family member, somebody, they've got a package in their hand, it's all nicely wrapped, or they've got like a gift bag, or they've got a card, and they're coming towards you, and they lock eyes with you, and you say to yourself, what they have is just about to be mine. <laughs> right? They've got something wonderful that they're going to give to me. Isn't that a cool feeling? Yeah. It's an awesome feeling. You know what else is an awesome feeling? If you're the one with the gift. It's an awesome feeling if you know you've got something in your hand. You lock eyes with the birthday boy or the birthday girl, and you go to hand that to them, and you know that there's like this sense of excitement, and you know that they're really going to like what you're about to give to them. And there's that moment. It's like it's that wonderful feeling you're about to give them a gift. Happy birthday. Because last night as I was, I was going through my notes for this morning, I just had that feeling. Like for some of you, I have a tremendous gift from God's word to give to you today. For some of you, the, the, the core things that we're gonna talk about today are, are gonna be so, so right and so timely. For some of you, you're just gonna be bored for the next 40 minutes. But for others of you, this, this from God's word today is, is gonna be a gift for you. So if that's the case, let's jump in. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter one this morning. Ephesians chapter one. Uh, last week we started a series of messages that we're calling stories. In this we're looking at the book of Ephesians and we started last week by talking about how Paul wrote this letter to the church that was in the town called Ephesus. So that's why we call the people there Ephesians. We call it the book of Ephesians. And Paul wrote this letter to the people in Ephesus. And these were not just, just casual strangers. He knew these people. He started that church. Of all the places that the Apostle Paul served and started churches, he stayed the longest in Ephesus. So he knew these people. They were his friends. He knew their lives. He knew their stories. And so last week, we, we looked at how kind of the introduction of the book and then how he begins to tell them about the spiritual blessings that they have. And we talked about how there's these blessings that God gives to us and that we're blessed in, in the heavens in another realm. We talked about how we're blessed in spiritual ways from God and that all of that comes from our relationship in Christ. In fact, that's where we'll, we'll be today. We're gonna talk about what it means for us to be in Christ. And what's so interesting is Paul, Paul gives the introduction, then he reminds them of their blessings, and then he, he prays a prayer for them. That's where we're gonna go next week. We're gonna look at the prayer that he prays for them. But Paul says to them, look, I want you to realize how blessed you are in Christ. I don't want you to miss this. So here's what he says to them. Ephesians chapter one, verse 11. He says this, in him, and when he's talking here, he's speaking of Christ. So he says, in Christ, you'll notice he says this about three times in this passage. He says, in Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Can I just be honest with you? Sometimes when I read passages of scripture like this that has some, some big theological words in it or that's actually kind of work to try to figure out or, or unpack, these verses in particular, I have a tendency, you're, you're more spiritual than I am, 
but I have a tendency to kind of just read right over them. And I don't take the time. I don't, I don't stop to really think, what do they say to me? They're not just theology or head knowledge. Remember, Paul's writing to his friends here. And he's saying, look, there are great truths that I want you to know. Because what I'm about to tell you will affect your life. It's going to affect your story. What we're going to talk about today is the kind of stuff you have to come back to over and over and over again as you live out your story in your life. And we're going to look at a couple of principles today that I think could be very timely, could be life-changing, but I want it to be more than just theology for you. I want you to hear from someone how this all plays out. In this series of messages, we're, we're going to take some time and we're going to hear from some folks right here at Calvary about how what God has done in their lives shows these truths from Scripture. And so this morning, if you would please, turn your attention to the screens. Who shall separate us from the love of God? No, shall troubles? No. Shall burdens? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No, neither height nor depth, neither principalities or powers, neither things present or things to come, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know that people have gone through a lot more than we have gone through. Yeah. But uh, maybe somehow our story will help someone. We are so blessed. My name's Judy Hopright, and we've been coming here to Calvary um, since 2007. Decided we need to find a new home, and boy, did we find it. The Holy Spirit is just so full here. Uh, I'm Frank. I'm her husband of many, many years. In fact, we just uh, celebrated our 50th anniversary. We're starting on our second 50 years. Boy, thinking about that, 50 years ago. We were only married two months when Frank's father died. And that was quite traumatic. And then all of a sudden, uh, six months later, my mother died. And we're just thinking, what's going on here, Lord? We were having children seemed like every other year. <laughs> Julie was, what, 10 days old, Ten I think, when old. you broke yes. your shoulder. And uh, suddenly I had four children, four months that you were out of work, I believe. So then we were busy with kids and with school and things like that. And then things started happening again. Um, we had lost Frank's dad and, and my mom. And then my brother John got sick and, and he passed away. And my other brother David got ill. And, uh, and actually, I was there to pray with him before he passed away, too. Then I had a few girlfriends that uh, I would be with them and, and take them to their cancer uh, treatments and some other friends that were passing. And I finally just said, Lord, you know, what's going on? Why, why do I get close to someone and all of a sudden you take them away? You know, I don't understand what's going on. Our kids were starting to have their boyfriends and girlfriends and they got married and Julie and Gary were thinking about having a family and she discovered a lump in her neck. And it turned out to be Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so here we go again. And so I went with her to her treatments and just thinking, God, it's just not fair. It's just not right. Very difficult time to watch our daughter be so ill to think what happens if the unspoken happens 
They told her also that they didn't think she could ever have children. Well, that turned out to be wrong because she's got three healthy young boys. And we thank God for that. So not very long after that, we found out that our son Scott had end-stage kidney disease. I'm starting to feel a little bit like Job here. And so he went through his dialysis treatments and kept that up. And suddenly they said, mm, you know, I don't think that this is working for you much anymore. I think you need to think about getting a transplant. I was keeping a, a diary at that time and I kept saying, when Lord, when? When are you going to answer our prayers? And unbeknownst to us, Frank's niece who lives in Pittsburgh, she went through testing too. She was only 19 and she found it upon her heart to want to be tested to see if she could get a kidney to Scott. Turns out that she was five out of six, almost a perfect match. He decided to go ahead and we found out that she was going to give the, the, the kidney to him and things went great, went absolutely great. He, he came through surgery, you know, he felt really good until a couple days later. And we knew something was terribly wrong. I was rubbing his back and he just kind of zoned out for a while and then all of a sudden he goes, Wow, that was strange. I said, what do you mean, Scott? Well, the Lord came to me and he showed me every portion of my body that needed to be healed. And I thought to myself, what do you mean every portion of your body? It's just your kidneys that are bad. Well, we found out in the end that, that the disease did take every part of his body. And he did, he got his perfect healing. He had been in intensive care 17 times and the Lord brought him out of intensive care every time. And so when he got to the end and they said, he's just not gonna make it, we have to make a decision here. And I said, Lord, I had a really hard time. I said, Lord, this just isn't fair. You've brought him out of intensive care all these times. Why are you gonna take him home now? And the Lord just gently said to me, he says, I didn't spare my own son. And so, as hard as it was, I was able to let him go, knowing that he would have a better life where he was going. He will rise up with wings as eagles. He will walk and not be weary. He will run and not faint. You know, and I could just picture Scott up there running. And it gave me hope again. And someday, and someday we'll, we'll all be too. there. That's right. So then a year went by and Frank's mother passed away. So here we are again. She died and then two months after that, I discovered that I had cancer. And that was pretty hard to take. You know, my emotions were really in the cellar. Uh, I can't say that my faith was in the cellar. I knew that God was gonna take care of it and that everything was gonna be okay. But it was still difficult to go through. I had to have surgery and, and then radiation. and it, It's just unbelievable how when these things happen, when you've got the Lord on your side, when, when He's there with you. He holds us up. He, he comforts us. Up. It, he puts, you know, puts people around us, too. Yes, around he does. us to comfort us. Uh, we seem to 
you know, kind of want to tackle it on our own, you know, that's the way, that's the way I was brought up, you know, get the job done, figure it out, et cetera, et cetera. And it took me a while, it took me a while to uh, let go, so to speak, and let God. God's in control no matter what. And if it looks bad, he's still there. Yeah, there were times when I said, where are you, God? You must not love me because look at everything that we're going through. Um, and he would take me back to Job and I would read the story of Job. Or I would read in Jeremiah where it says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I would cling to those verses. God is in it. And you've got to have the faith to trust that. God knows your needs. He doesn't always give us our wants, but he knows your needs. We all have our story. And uh, life, life goes through a lot of ups and downs. And we knew we wanted to address this scripture, this topic. And when we were planning out this, uh, this series, someone very close to Frank and Judy said, I don't know anyone else who has um, weathered kind of the, the different seasons of life with, with faith in, in the way that they have. Good example, good role model, and um, a story of miracles and a story of tragic loss that, that you hear. And yet through it all, Judy kind of sums it up at the end. God doesn't always give us what we want, does he? But he knows what we need. And some of you are here today, are, and, and you may be in a, God, I didn't want this kind of season. And if that's the case, then I think God's word may have a real gift for you today. Here's, here's what I want to give you. I want to give you two things that we have in Christ. As we look at this passage of scripture today, I want to share with you two things that we have in Christ. Two things that are clear from what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. Two things that I hope you will see as truths from his word. And whether you're going through a tough season right now or, or this may be something God wants to remind you of in the future. Two things we have in Christ. Here's the first one. Number one, in Christ, life has a purpose. In Christ, life has a purpose. But look again at that passage of scripture that we read. Ephesians chapter one, look at verses 11 and 12. Paul says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And what's really interesting there is you have a lot of loaded theological terms. In fact, if there's any place in Christianity where there's a real schism theologically um, among Christians of what they believe. It's in this area of, of, the, of the difference between predestination and free will. How is someone saved? Is it that God predestines people and chooses who will be saved, or do we have a choice and there's free will? Have you ever heard about that great debate? Here's the, here's the wonderful part. I don't have time to address it today. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Here's what I know. We'll watch. When we get to verse 13 in a moment, Paul makes it very clear that at some point you and I have to choose to believe. What we hear, how do we respond? That's why evangelism is so important, isn't it? Because we have the opportunity to take the good news of God's word to other people so they can make a choice and receive that gift. But no matter where you land in that whole debate, let me give to you today some truths that I think are so important about the fact that God has, in Christ, life has a great purpose for us. And it's this. First, we have great value to God. 
You and I have great value to God. It's in that passage of scripture. You see it right there. It says that we have been chosen, that we have been predestined, that we matter to him. The language that he uses is so clear here. And it's so important when you understand who he was talking to. See, in Ephesus, the people that were there in that city were in a city that was filled with false gods and idolatry. If you track what people believed in that city, you would find at least 50, 50 different ideas of what truth was. And they had to pick, why will we worship in a, in a dark place, in a place that was filled with false gods and false idols? And part of what they wrestled with was all the different gods in Ephesus. If you track what they taught about them, these gods were... Um, I guess fickle is the best word. They could change their mind. They could do whatever they wanted to do. They could just make it up as they went along. And Paul said, look, not your God. Your God isn't just trying to figure it out. He's had this predestined. He made a choice to love humanity and to save them from the very beginning of time. You have value to God, and not just because he decided it on a whim. You have value to God because you always had value to God, because he created humanity out of his love for them and out of his care for them, and in the midst of that, you can rest in knowing this, that you, as a part of humanity, you, as God's creation, have incredible value to him. He's not just making this up. You know, it's homecoming season, and and, and you you see the, you know, the, the football teams coming up. They got homecomings coming up. And then you'll begin to see, like I'll see friends post pictures of when, when their children like ask someone to go to homecoming or, or they get asked to go to homecoming, this whole kind of thing and this kind of deal. And it would not be a good feeling if someone walked up to you and said, hey, um, you know, I, I asked this, this girl to go to homecoming with me and, and she said no. And um, so I said, well, well, maybe you'll do then. Will you go with me? <laughs> Wouldn't that make you feel really special? Hey, baby, I love you. You're plan B. God's saying just the opposite. He says, from the very beginning, you had value to me. You matter to me. That's essential for you to grasp because not only do we have great value to God, but God has a great plan for our lives. God has a great plan for our lives. Now, I know that's something that you hear, it's something that you read, it's something that's on a bumper sticker, but see why important this is. If God has a plan, then I have a hope. <laughs> in the stuff that I'm going through, in the things that I face, if I can rest in the fact that God has a plan for my life, then if God has a plan, then I have a hope. I have something that I can hold on to. I have something that I can trust. He's not blindsided by what life brings. He's not caught off guard by it. So as I am at times, I can put my trust and my confidence in him. And that's so critical for us to understand. Probably in, in two different ways. One is this, that God is working out his plan even when we do not understand it. That God is working out his plan even when you and I don't understand it. You know, one of the things that's easy for us to do is when we see something bad happen in the world around us or something bad happens to us personally, we're quick to blame God for what has happened. In fact, you've even heard some tones of that in, in this last week. If you saw any of the, the remembrance uh, reports in some way about 9-11 just this last week, Probably for us as a nation, the, the most um, tragic thing that we've experienced in recent times changed things for us. And there's this question that always comes up, why does God allow? Why does God do this? Why does God do that? Let's, let's, um, let's just be honest. It's a complicated question. 
But here's what I know is true. I don't think we can just blame God. I don't think we can just say, hey, God caused the cancer. God caused the hurricane. God caused the terrorism. Here's what we know. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Here's the point. Here's what he's saying here. Look, sin came into the world because man chose sin over obedience to God. And as a result, it, it cut loose this toxin. It cut loose this poison in humanity called sin. And that sin leads to death. So when there is a natural disaster, when there is an act of terrorism, realize that's not God saying, man, I'll just zap them there. God allows them for some reason because we live in a world that's imperfect. That's why we look forward to heaven. We can't blame God, but we do know this. We do know that God is present even in the midst of the life that we live in this world. The problem is that oftentimes we don't understand what's happening. And it's key for us in the midst of those things that we don't understand, whether it's an act of terrorism or whether it's something that's going on in your life that you just can't figure out. It's key for us to recognize that even when we can't understand it, what we see and can't understand is a part of God's plan and his work in our life. One of our staff has a little girl named Julia. She's uh, four years old, and she was hanging out in the office this week, and uh, my wife Rhonda was sitting at the receptionist's desk, and so Julia came around and was giving Rhonda a hug behind the desk, and, and I think it's because Rhonda gives her candy, and, and so that's why she's nice to her kind of thing, and uh, she's, she's, they're, they're back there, and um, Julia looks at the desk, and she sees something that looks like this, four years old. She looks at it, and she says to Rhonda, what is that? <laughs> and Rhonda goes, well, it's, it's, a, it's a telephone, and Julia kind of looked at her like, no, no, that's not a phone. <laughs> and Ron is like, well, yeah, you pick, you pick this thing up and you put it up, you know, you talk like this, it's a, it's a telephone. And this little four-year-old cannot comprehend the idea that you can have a phone without a screen on it. This doesn't fit in your pocket. You can't play Angry Birds on this. This is not a phone. Because it was outside of the realm of her comprehension. And you and I are the same way. We think we've got it all figured out. We think that if something is what we think it is, then it's gotta be something that we understand. It's something that we see. It's something that we're familiar with. When the absolute truth is that many times we've got a grasp that, that we don't have all the answers. That person sitting next to you thinks they do, but they don't. And oftentimes we say, God, this can't be your will because I don't understand it. And God just kind of chuckles and says, you don't understand it because you've never seen anything like this before. But if you'll trust me, you'll understand it. And here's what some of you have to wrestle with. You have to wrestle with the fact that the very thing that you might not understand might be the very thing that God wants to use to speak to you. It might be through that thing that you don't recognize that he's trying to communicate his love and his grace even if it doesn't feel like it. This is so key for us to know. We have to understand that even when we don't understand, we are still in a part of God's plan and that he's working out his plan even when we don't understand that. I love that word work that's in there. Verse, verse 11 he uses, he says he's working out his will. 
that word work has to do with the idea of, of energy. It's that same kind of root word in the Greek. Paul uses it again in Romans 8, 28, when he says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Here's what God wants us to know, that even in the midst of those things that you can't see or understand, that in Christ, your life has a purpose because you have great value to him. And even though you can't understand it, God is working out his plan for your life. So what is your purpose? If that's something we need to grasp, well, what's our purpose? What is this plan supposed to accomplish? Very clearly, we were created to give God praise. That's what it's all about. That's, that's what's at the center. Twice in this passage as Paul is talking to the Ephesians, he says, look, you have all these blessings from God to the praise of his glory. It's for the praise of his glory. He's saying, look, the reason you exist, the reason God blesses you is so that he can receive praise, so that he can be glorified. And that's so important for you and I to grasp and to understand because the truth is we try to live our lives. Our purpose has come from so many other things. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's security. We're striving for fame. We're striving for power. We're striving for happiness. We're striving for, for just peace. We're striving for people to just leave us alone for crying out loud, right? We strive for all those different things. But you will be frustrated in your life until you realize why you were created and you were created to bring him praise. I had the opportunity yesterday, we have, a, we have a men's group that just started a few months ago called the Joshua Project. And guys, you'll hear more about it in the future. It's an opportunity for, for men in the church in particular to grow in, in their leadership. And I had the opportunity to, to share in that group yesterday. And we talked about the David and Goliath, that familiar story of David and Goliath. And it struck me when I was reading it, why did David do what he did? You know, here's this shepherd boy who rolls up and takes on a giant. And you have to ask the question, why did he do it? And David did it for a very unique reason. If you read the text in 1 Samuel 17, you realize he did it because he was trying to protect God's name. He was saying to this giant who was talking smack about his God, you watch what happens when I get a hold of you. He says, look, I'm not doing this because I want to be a national hero. I'm not going to go out there, Goliath, and kill you because I want all the money the king's promising I'm not doing it because I want the king's daughter as my wife as the king has promised. I'm not going out there so I can feel good about myself. Goliath, when I go out there and put that stone in that sling and I kill you, it's not because with that stone I want to be a rock star. <laughs> takes you a minute, takes you a minute. You'll get it. He says, you know why I'm doing this? Goliath, I'm gonna kill you because you're talking smack about my God. And when I'm done with you, there will be no question whose God is the real God. And David proved it. He showed everyone how to get ahead. And he took care of Goliath <laughs> in that moment. If you don't know the story, go back and read it. It'll be funny tonight. But here's the deal. If he had gone out there searching for anything else, he would have been off course. He would have been going the wrong direction. And some of you are so frustrated in your life, you're so disappointed with the things that don't seem right because they've taken you off of what you wanted when God says, look, what I want for you to recognize is that if you will allow your life to focus on accomplishing my purposes and giving me praise, that's where you'll find fulfillment. Frustration is certain when your destination is uncertain. 
If you're trying to get somewhere, but you really don't know where you're going, isn't that when you get frustrated? You're just, you're just, frustration is certain if your destination is uncertain. So if you're trying to do something that doesn't ultimately fulfill what you were created for, here's what I've found. When I'm striving to do something for myself, that's when I get the most frustrated. But it's this really weird thing that if I'll put myself aside and try to give God glory, that's when I find the most fulfillment. Why is that? Because I was created to bring him praise. So if I'll recognize that, then it helps me to see that I can do that in the midst of the plan that he has for me. And you know why I can understand that, that I can trust him even when I don't understand? Because I know I have value to him because in Christ my life has a purpose. Now that's important for you to recognize but it's essential that if you're going to see that you have a purpose in him, that you understand this second thing that I want you to see that you have in Christ. Number two is that in Christ, life has a promise. Not only does it have a purpose, but in Christ, life has a promise. And if you will hold on to this promise that we're going to look at here, he wanted the Ephesians to see it. He did not want them to miss it. If you'll hold on to this promise we're about to talk about, it will help you to weather the plan and the purpose that you go through even when you don't understand it. Because there will be times when God will say, you know what, it's not going to be what you want because I love you, so here's, here's what you need. So here's what he says. In Christ, life has a promise. Here's what he says, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. He says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And there's a lot of words there that you just go, I don't know that I understand that. I'll be really honest, verses 13 and 14 are two verses that more than once in the book of Ephesians I've read over and I've said, I'll figure that out later. <laughs> Not quite sure what he's saying there. He's really saying two very simple things. One is this, about God's promises, God promises that we belong to him. It's right there in that passage. God promises that we belong to him. He uses some terminology there. He says this. He says that when you believe, you were marked in him with a seal. Now, that doesn't have a whole lot of meaning to us, but in the first century, that was a huge visual for them. It really helped them to understand. See, someone who was in a, in a, in a place of authority would take this, this usually some kind of metal object that was marked in a way that was very distinctive to them. It was basically their signature. And if they owned something, they would mark it with their seal. Oftentimes, they'd use wax, and then they'd imprint the seal on the wax. Then if you looked at something and you saw that seal, you would know, oh, that belongs to this king or that ruler or that leader. It was marked with that seal. It showed ownership. Even more, I was going to send you a letter, and I was that person in authority. Then when I, was, when I was done with that document, I would close it up, and I would put the wax on there, and I would put my seal on there so that you would know that it was coming directly from me if it was telling you to do something or to live a certain way and you saw that seal on there, then you would know it would have authority and when it got to you, you could look at that and you could see if the seal was not broken, then you would know that nobody had messed with it. You would know that it was the real deal. Here's what God says. He says, here's my promise to you. In the midst of my plan for your life, 
of fulfilling this purpose. He says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And remember, the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us, living with us and in us. He says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You know what that's going to prove? That's going to prove that I have all power and that I have all authority and that what I'm giving to you comes straight from me and that you can trust me with this because of this seal it shows that no one has messed with it. Here's what it says. It says that in the midst of what you're going through, you can rest in the fact that God has a plan for your life because you belong to him, because he cares about you and he loves you. He's not gonna leave you out to dry. See, I've, I've known people who have had a plan for my life and they weren't good people. <laughs> they planned to do something that would hurt me. Any of you ever had somebody who just kind of felt like they were out to get you? Okay, maybe I'm paranoid. But that's, that's just... Um, it's just me, maybe. Take my word, take my word for it. Um, not God. Here's what he's saying. The plan I have, it's because I love you. It's because you belong to me. It's because I care about you. He promises that we belong to him, but then it gets even better when you think about it because not only does God promise that we belong to him, but God promises that he belongs to us. Not in the sense that God's like a genie in a bottle that you gotta, you know, you rub the bottle and, and you're like, whoa, Aladdin, here's the genie and, and that you got three wishes from God. It's better than that. Here's what he says, Jeremiah chapter seven, verse 23. But I gave them this command, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you that it may go well with you. Here's what God says. He says, look, not only do you belong to me, but I, I belong to you. I wanna be in relationship with you. I care about you. Yes, I have a purpose for your life, but that purpose comes with this promise. It comes with all the promises in this book that tell you how I love you and how I care about you, and how I'm actively at work so that even in the things that are painful and even in the things that are hard, and even in the times when you can't understand it or see it, somehow I am actively at work in all of this, bringing myself glory through my plan in your life because you have incredible value to me and you can rest in that. He uses this word in verse 14. He says that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as, as a deposit, as a... Um, as a promise, as a down payment, as a first installment. Here's what he means. He's saying, look, I'm giving you this promise to show this, that what I'm paying a little bit of right now is gonna be paid in full later. I'm telling you that what I'm giving you a little bit of now that's good is gonna be awesome on the other side of this. You gotta trust me that even what you're going through right now, recognize this, I'm giving you this down payment, this deposit, this is my promise to you so that you will know that after this, in this next life, in the heavenly realms, what I have for you is so incredibly good, you do not want to miss it. In fact, this is interesting. In, in modern Greek, the same root word that's used for that word deposit in the New Testament is the same word that's used to describe an engagement ring. I'm making you a promise. I belong to you, and you belong to me, and my commitment of love to you is forever. And even though in this fallen world you can't experience it fully now, you better hold on to this promise that my life has incredible purpose for you, and on the other side of it, when you see it, it's gonna be something more than you could ever have comprehended or understood, if you will. As Frank and Judy said in that video, put your trust in me. Because here's the truth. God's promises to me give me the ability to live life with confidence for him. 
One, one quick story and then we'll, uh, we'll pray. There are days when I wake up and I say, God, I can't believe that you, that you let me do this. Um, I'm, I'm blessed to be Calvary's pastor and with it sometimes comes these little, uh, these kind of unique opportunities. One of the things that, um, that God has, has given us the opportunity to do is we have, we have uh, many men and women who serve in the Air National Guard out at the 180th here in Toledo and I've had the privilege of just interacting with them, learning more about what they do. If you don't know um, what the folks do, you know, oftentimes you drive by the airport and you're like, oh, there's that base out there. And, and the truth is, it is one of the most strategic locations to our national security as a nation. And it's right here in Toledo. And it's really, it's really very cool. And, and, and thank these individuals for their service. And a couple of the guys out there said to me, hey, hey pastor, there's this clergy awareness day that's coming up. And um, they're inviting um, clergy from all over Ohio to come down to Columbus and participate in a day where they can just find out what the National Guard does, the Air and Army National Guard, and then have an opportunity to talk about how does a church partner with the military in blessing those who serve and are veterans. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. They said, okay, well, what you have to do is they're only, they're only having 60 people show up. So you have to submit an application. You have to turn your name in. And, and if you get chosen, then you get to go and participate in this. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. So I, I turned you know, the application in and just kind of waited to see what would happen. And I'm, I'm guessing based on my stunning good looks, I got accepted and was one of the um, you know, 60 uh, that was there on Thursday this week. And, uh, and it was really cool because we got to hear from the general here in Ohio and we got to hear what the guard does and talk about how, how the church can be actively involved. And oh yeah, I, I got to fly in a Black Hawk helicopter. That was kind of cool. Uh, you know, not that that motivated anything in the process. That's me. And oh yeah, there's that helicopter back there. And uh, I'm thinking of quitting my day job because that was super cool. And... Um, I'm not real crazy about heights, just to be honest, but it was such a neat experience. I'd never flown in a helicopter, and it was just kind of really cool. And we, we went up about 2,000 feet and um, spent about 15 minutes in the air, went south of Columbus, and we, we flew over this one town, the town of, I, I don't know what it's called. So we went over this town, and as we did, like you, you came up on it, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm looking out the window, and I can see, this is super cool, because I can see how all the streets are laid out. Whereas where you're on the ground, you're just like, do I go left, right? I mean, I could look and I go, hey, this is how you get in different directions. And we're flying over. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's very clearly, that's a hospital. That's awesome. And look, there's a school. I mean, you can just, you can just see from the air. That's a hospital. That's a school. I got really excited because I was hungry and there was Arby's. I was like, that's awesome. You know, I was, they got the meats down there. I was excited about this whole thing. And I realized, it struck me when I was up there. When I'm up there, I can see things in a whole different way than I do when I'm down here. Because when I'm down here, I just, I'm stuck with rights in front of me and I'm not seeing where I'm going. I'm not even really clear exactly where it is that I'm trying to go. But when I got above everything, then everything all of a sudden made more sense. I saw it in a different way and recognized this. What is impossible to understand from below can be clearly seen from above. So some of you are having an impossible time figuring out what's going on in your life right now. But God sees it. And someday you're, you're gonna understand it if you will rest in these two truths, that in Christ, your life has a great purpose and God's given you this great promise that because of your incredible value to him, if, if you'll trust in him and if you'll say, God, my life is yours, whatever it is, it's for your glory, then you can rest in the fact that he's yours and you're his 
And he's working out something wonderful in your life. So I'm going to ask you this. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? And I have just a, a very simple question for you today. And for some of you, it may be that, that these truths from Scripture have been a gift to you today. Where you're in a place in your life, in your family, in your career, in your finances, in your health, in your head, where you just say, God, I need to be reminded that my life has a purpose that can be lived out because of your promise to me. And so in Christ, I hold on to those things. If you'd say, Chad, I needed to hear about God's purpose and his promise today, would you pray for me? If that's you, I'm gonna ask right where you are. Would you just stand right where you are? Just don't hesitate right where you are. If you say, God, I, I need to rest in your purpose and in your promise for my life, would you pray for me? If that's you, just stand right where you are. I wanna pray with you today. Yeah, thanks. Anybody else? Father, it's in this moment that we come to you. And God, we thank you today that our hope is not in anything but the fact that in what we're going through, you have a plan for us. That you have a purpose to do good in our lives. And that we can trust you in that in the midst of every day. And Lord, that we're reminded that as we live our lives to give you praise, Lord, and as your plan is fulfilled in us, we have great value to you. So Lord, thank you for your promise. Not only, God, that, that you love us and that you're there, but that you're gonna finish the good thing that you've started in our lives. And so now, Lord, as we live out our lives for you, help us to rest on the purposes and the promises that we find in your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.